This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning and welcome to Open for Business, the show that dives into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. This morning on the show, we've got Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Coworking Space Work. Founded in 2017, this co-working space is currently present in eight locations across Malaysia, with one on Perhentian Island, with more in the works given the potential of the industry, which is expected to grow to 1.3 billion ringgit by 2030. On the back of an 80% revenue growth and mid-teen net profit margins last year, Work announced in October that it had raised an undisclosed pre-series B round backed by 14 follow-on investors, including global asset management firm Philip Capital and the Leong family of Massing Group. Looking ahead, it is targeting to also raise 40 million ringgit in a Series B funding round to help fund its continued expansion, but in the meantime was on track to double its space under management by the end of last year with aims to triple that space to 450,000 square feet by 2025. In the long term, they've got ambitious plans to expand their space under management to a sizable 3 million square feet by 2030. Today on Open for Business, we speak with CEO Stephanie Ping and CFO Andrew Yeo to get a better understanding of how they've profitably navigated the last seven years in the co-working landscape, how work has leveraged the property oversupply to its advantage, and what the vision ahead looks like for the space as a service model. Andrew, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi, Roshan. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks for adding us to the show. Uh, I want to go back to 2017 and uh, your first uh, branch was in Tamantun. Talk to us about, you know, why you both ventured into this space, this co-working space at that time. Yeah, I mean, I think at that at that time, um, a lot of the stars lined up as well. Um, because I lived in Silicon Valley for a long time and I went to school there and I had a lot of exposure to, um, in particular, Amazon because the professor that I was working for for uh, many years as uh, doing research for him um, uh, was the uh, VP of AI and chief economist for, I would say, like 12 years and wow. just recently left and now he's uh, teaching at Harvard. Um, so having a lot of uh, influence over there, I could see that Amazon's business model is very similar to what could be done for the real estate industry. And I had ambitions to innovate it because I was working at Axis Street at that point. Um, and so, you know, being able to see what it could be, there was also WeWork already on the scene at that point. Um, and knowing that that model might not fully work, Mm. Um, really kind of propelled me to say, I think there can be a, a second, third generation to this thing that could work a lot better. And so I did the whole, I don't know if you remember back in the days, I don't know how old you are, but there was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, MySpace and then Friendster and then Facebook, right? Yeah. So I felt like, you know, maybe what I'm seeing in front of me on the WeWork site is more like a, like a Friendster or something like that and that I could really do more with it um, and have a, a model that is much improved and makes it work for, especially in the emerging markets. Yeah, and then I think that's uh, really underlined by the fact that you've had this sustainable approach to building work and most of the outlets, or if not all, have been profitable from the early days. Um, could you elaborate on the, the gap that you saw in the market? Because one, you, yes, you saw it coming up, but what is it, 
what was the market gap here for this entry? Yeah, like I, what we saw in the early days was that, um, like Steph talked about yeah. um, looking at the trends globally. I think um, real estate itself, it's a very um, expensive mm-hmm. and very cumbersome product to use. And yet, when you look at what companies need, um, office is actually not really a core for most companies. Whether you have, uh, what do you call that, you own an office or you don't. Um, what it, the, the, the main function of it is actually oftentimes to house your team, to innovate, to come together, to um, work together. So um, what usually the, the, the gap that we saw in the market is that there is a need for something that is more flexible. And the startups really had this uh, uh, strong need for it. That's why you see co-working, the early adopters for co-working is a lot of startups, right? When they start their business, they don't want to spend the hard-earned capital that they've put together to um, this kind of, uh, we call it back office functions, right? They want to spend it on product development, on marketing. And that's where um, we saw that if the startups need this, um, there will be, uh, and, and what you saw in the Amazon model, right? There is a lot of ability for us to be able to scale the infrastructure and sell it in um, bite more size. bite-sized pieces. And people think when you buy things in bite-sized, you're getting something of lower quality, but that's not true. Because we have the scale and because Amazon has the scale of the cloud infrastructure, we are trying to build basically an office cloud infrastructure where um, whether you're looking for the basic essentials or all the way up to full-blown enterprise IT grade with um, lots of, say, risk management inside, we are able to basically deliver that in any form, any tenor that you want. And I think that was something that is um, missing in the real estate industry. And we went in um, wanting to solve that problem. And the first target group of customers were the startups and SMEs. Mm. And what, apart from just office, what they really liked about the space is actually the community of it. When you're like a four-man show, five-man show, you come by, you know what you are good at, but there are many areas that you're not... um, uh, you don't have the expertise in. And that's where through the community itself, you can network and mingle with um, professionals from all trades. And I think that's really where they said, oh, there is that big need. So we started with that. And from there, it sort of grew. And today, I think uh, so many more people that um, we didn't sort of uh, imagine, at least in the early days, that they would use it, but they've started using it across the board. So... Um, Amazon has been brought up twice uh, so far, and it's only been, I think, five, six minutes. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this Amazon comparison that you're going, uh, that you have brought up. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, our business model is very similar to Amazon. Be it, we made it that way, or that's the inspiration that we had, maybe due to the background that I had. Um, but ultimately, if you see Amazon uh, uh, Web Services, right? They are, uh, AWS. AWS, yeah. Their server business is really building an infrastructure of servers, right? And in the past, if you are a company who needs to use a server, then you would have to invest millions maybe into getting your own IBM server or something mm. like that, right? Uh, along comes Amazon, he builds the server infrastructure for you. You just have to use it bite size by bite size. And um, they take care of it end to end for you. Um, very similarly in our business, if you see, if you, a lot of people don't see it because it is real estate based, but actually it's very similar where we would um, take away that headache of you uh, getting your own real estate, which would call you, cost you millions. Mm. Um, and we would own that real estate, that infrastructure, and then you would just use it, headcount by headcount. Um, again, very similar to Amazon's, like you're using it bite size by bite size. And then once you are in uh, using our spaces, there's all manners of things that we could service you for to make your life easier as a company. 
So we are seeing a lot of demand coming in from foreign companies setting up shop here. And they really love this because for them to come here, they need this infrastructure because um, they don't want to get their own offices. They don't want to set up. And in fact, they don't want to do anything except to run their business. So that's how it makes it um, super easy. And we take away the headache of ownership and maintenance from them. Um, and on top of that, for especially the SMEs and the startups, and SME, I love this market, it's a very big market. They want the community and, and the business help as well. So that's what we provide for them. And then for the larger companies, they want a one-stop business center where all their needs are, are, are serviced in there. Uh, and we do that. So that's how it really mirrors that 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 industry. I think a lot of players are still grappling as to you know how the business model should go and all mm. that. But I think we're very clear from the get go. We are building towards that. I don't know if you notice, all our locations are on transit oriented developments on trains. Yes. Every single one in Klang Valley, um, and that's the and 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 we did that with a purpose in mind, right? When we have all these locations on train stations, we would link up the whole train infrastructure and make it super easy for people to go from office to office to have a meeting at another space and then go to another space to do some other work and so on and so forth. And that whole um, cloud office infrastructure will be very convenient. Are we going to have locations only on uh, trains? No. Uh, those will be our hub locations. And then we're going to have spoke locations mm. where those are not on train stations. You're creating a, a network of uh, offices, essentially. And I think the term that's been used is space as a service. I think it's very clear in that sense, right? Making it a service line item as opposed to a capital expenditure. Uh, Stephanie, uh, Andrew, we've got to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the where the business model is, but also look back at the MVP or what was the MVP for work. Folks, I've been speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Co-working Space Work. I'm Roshan Kanesin. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to be. FM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Begin fun moments. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesin and this morning I've been speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Coworking Space Work. Earlier we got a sense for why they started work and the market gap and potential they saw it back in 2017 and how their backgrounds kind of played into building this company. Um, Oh, let's go back to the early days. Uh, Tamantun was your first uh, outlet. Um, but before that, before you rent out a space, do it up, renovate it, and put it out to the public, there must have been some kind of testing that was done. Talk to us a little bit about how you validated the need for work. Yeah, um, I think uh, from the early days, we did a lot of uh, research. Um, I think we talked about WeWork. So we visited a lot of WeWork locations um, in the US. Um, back then, most of them were in the US uh, yeah. when we started. Australia. So Yeah, and um, bits of Asia. But um, when we went to all these sites, I think how we did sort of the testing was uh, talking to a lot of people there, right? Why did they choose to use the space? And I think the few things that came up a lot was um, the community, I think was a very big part of it. And um, we could see that uh, a lot of our friends who were also entrepreneurs at that time, they were using, um, you know, they were using these WeWork spaces, right? And they would say that it's like, you know, they wish they had it, um, you know, in the past. And I think this is something that really struck us that, oh, okay, there is this great 
growing need. And we could see that uh, when you look at the incumbents, which is all your real estate landlords and whatnot, um, it wasn't something really too high on their radar. It's, um, you know, uh, something that was at the site. So I think we saw that, okay, um, if we could bring that here. And at that time when we were starting in about 2017, um, there was already uh, quite a, a growing sort of startup scene here. You could see uh, entities like Cradle, like Magic, they were rolling out a lot of programs. And I think all these startups that we were talking to, I would say the majority of them are looking for a co-working like solution. And that was really, I think, um, how we validated the space. We did a lot of, uh, in fact, asking this community, where would they want it, right? So many of the incumbent so-called um, flexible office players, service office players, they were in the city center. But when we asked a lot of the community, they actually said they wanted it in places like Damansara, like Subang. And that was really why you see our initial locations were all at these places. It wasn't like we randomly chose them. We actually <laughs> talked to a lot of these people and they said, you know, they lived around there and they would like to have it there. When did you both know that work would succeed? Or at what point did you realize, all right, we've got something here. Not only do we have product market fit, but this is going to make it. Yeah, I mean, I think when we open our first outlet, uh, we fill it up in two months' time. Wow. Um, and then, then then it's not pure luck. Maybe in the first one, we thought, oh, you know, we got kind of lucky. <laughs> and the next one filled up in one month. So we're like, okay, it's not luck. Right? I think a lot of it goes into the research part um, as to what the product should be, as to where they should be located, in what uh, form, um, the pricing, you know. Uh, a lot of it, uh, a lot of knowledge went into that. And really is from our backgrounds, noticing uh, what these companies need, as well as a lot of the research and the focus group that we conducted, mm -hmm. as well as going to uh, visit many, many of these spaces and seeing what they're not providing to the market. And then also understanding where our strategy needs to go in order to make this sustainable and also a long-term business. Um, that is that ha actually has like a, a, a point to it, like a whole... Uh, a strategy that that makes sense, much like how Amazon, you know, how they're very different from Zappos, right? Back in the days, a lot of people couldn't see it, but clearly there's a huge difference between Amazon and Zappos today, and we are building towards that kind of a, a, the story and end, right? So a lot of that went through, uh, a, a, we have like pages and pages of Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> um, we went on the ground a lot, um, and then it culminated in this, uh, okay, we build it, and then two months later, it filled up. Yeah. Yeah, this is just adding on to Stephanie. I think the speed to fill, I think, is something that mm. uh, even for us, it surprised us because when we did a lot of our research, I think many of the incumbent um, so-called traditional uh, service office operators, I think they would have a 12-month period to fill up. So, of course, um, you know, we were focused on it. So, we said, okay, we're going to do it in six months. And I think since That's we started... That's our own target for ourselves. We've basically yeah. been able to achieve it at three months, two months. And most of our sites, actually, we get it um, fully filled within that first yeah. uh, two to three months. So, I think this is something that... Um, when you talked about whether it works or not, I think that was already a, you know, it's a good sign when we put it out and we talk to people, like you get to, you know, they, they pick it up fast. I think that's a, um, regardless of, uh, I mean, it, it's, 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 a, it's a good sign. Yeah, yeah that's actually, that's the test, right? That's the limit test, whether the market wants you or not, how fast you fill up. So like Andrew said, the, uh, the market, I think target for filling up spaces is about 12 months. Mm. We give ourselves six months, but we've been achieving that you know, that time was like maybe uh, four months, three months, two months. Now it's really like the moment we open is filled up from day one. So I think we do the um, uh, improvement every cycle of our metrics. And you'll see a lot of really 
30 companies do that. Amazon does it religiously. Um, and a lot of operationally heavy companies uh, that are ahead of their industry peers like Asia, they used to do a lot of it. I think they still do a lot of it where, you know, um, the some of the airlines have turnaround time, I believe, of like 35 minutes. And then Asia say, we'll do 25 minutes and then get it less and less like that. So because we improve our metrics over and over 10% every round, we get it now down to so uh, fast that that's also part of the whole like business model. How important is working with the existing property players, right? The REITs out there, the property development companies. Um, how important is working with them uh, in terms of making this work? Uh, I think it's absolutely important. They are our our partner. And in fact, we've entered into strategic uh, partnerships with uh, many of these landlords, uh, UOA being one of them, right? Uh, in our Bangsa site, it's a strategic partnership site. Uh, Sunway Putra Mall, our latest one, is also a strategic, business, uh, strategic partnership. Um, and you must understand they are in the business of uh, building, uh, developing real estate uh, that are good real estate, very well maintained, uh, and they're really experts in the brick and mortar part of that business. We, we, we come in as their partner to provide a lot of the software to them that otherwise they would it would be taking up a lot of their attention on and not their area of focus. And so um, when we work with these landlords, it's really a happy marriage. Mm. Whereby like our fifth site with UOA, you know, um, when we came in, uh, after we ran it for a while, they were very happy. They came and toured the site and they said, you really are able to unlock the value of my property. And that's, that's what it is, unlocking the value of their property to uh, maximize the usability of it and to bring a lot of like uh, user experience uh, that is not just a, uh, a, a commoditized product, but a service and then to a transformative experience for the companies because servicing, uh, we do service the clients and make it very convenient. But then the transformative comes in the form of the community mm. where they change their lives, bring them livelihood and really uplift the whole community and then the country. It provides the properties with a different life as well, right? A different tenant mix, a different uh, footfall mix as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, UOA, I think the one in Subang is also working with them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the one in Bangsa as well. Mm -hmm. um, are these strategic partnerships uh, outlet or venue-based, or is there a larger uh, partnership at play? Uh, I think we are talking to the landlords on larger. Uh, and then, of course, we when you know it was very light, then now it's very heavy. Um, so the couple of uh, previous ones, they are venue-based, I would say. Um, but definitely, everyone's looking at a larger partnership all-rounded so that it also reduces the time for us to, 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 to have these negotiations and discussions and get, just get to work. Yeah, because the biggest, uh, I guess, uh, need for you is actual is property, right? That's what you need for your business to then curate and then sell to uh, your clients uh, on one, on the other end, mm -hmm. on the supply side, on the demand side. Um, work achieved some pretty uh, strong revenue numbers last year, or revenue growth numbers, 80% last year, while maintaining mid-teen net profit margins. Uh, give us a sense for where the company is in terms of revenue and what kind of growth you're expecting ahead. 
Yeah, so um, if you look, uh, when we started with uh, Tamantun, we were doing about 1.5 million in revenues in our first 12 months. And um, since then, we have actually grown it all the way up to our latest financial year. Uh, we are doing about 17 million in revenues. Um, and we have actually more expansion uh, that just recently opened and in the pipeline. So our goal is to get that up to about um, 25 to 30 million in the coming year. Um, the... Uh, like, uh, yeah, uh, what was shared, I think, in terms of profitability. Um, since the first outlet opened, we managed to fill up very uh, quickly. We have been operationally profitable on all our sites um, since day one. Um, from a net profits, profit perspective, since 2019, we have actually been running profitable. So it's not something that um, we talk about like recently. Actually, even pre-pandemic, we have been running on a net profit positive. Um, and the latest year, it's actually uh, at the mid-teens margin. So um, going forward, as we are still in a pretty rapid expansion phase, I think we're targeting approximately 50% growth year on year. Um, the uh, uh, a lot of that growth comes with, in a way, I would say, startup cost and strain. So our goal is to maintain a pretty healthy uh, margin position, um, but at the same time, let uh, sort of like our uh, get us towards our vision, right? And uh, talking about actually why we started and where do we want to be. Um, our real goal is to build up this um, what we call a cloud office infrastructure, just like AWS. Are we there today? I don't think we are fully there today yet. We have about eight outlets across the Clang Valley, um, and it is the largest, most extensive um, office network in town today where you know you can hop onto almost any train line and get to one of our stops. But um, we actually don't look at that as the end, right? I believe that um, getting to about one to two million square feet in Klang Valley is a pretty achievable number. Um, and we want to be the one to bring the market there. I think um, today the Klang Valley market in terms of co-working space has about a, a million plus in terms of uh, co-working overall. Mm -hmm. It still lags far behind ma most major cities in the world that are at 3 million and above. And if you think of that, that's about a 2 million gap that exists. So we want to be the one who actually fills out the bulk of that gap. But we don't want to just open spaces for the sake of opening. That's where mm. filling them up, making sure we grow with our customers. A lot of the sites that we grow, people don't realize actually, it also comes from our current customers growing with us. So as we do that uh, you know, uh, prudently, um, that's basically how we can achieve both the growth and still manage um, in a way of financial prudency along the way. So our margins will improve as we get uh, to the larger size. Um, but uh, what's really important for us at the moment is um, getting the landlords on board because at the end of the day, it's um, not something that we just do by ourselves. We want to deliver these services to the end market, but we should get all our partners together on board with us. And um, also want to highlight that uh, it's not only just landlords. We also have partnerships with coking spaces in, say, other cities, other countries. These are all part of, I, I believe, at the end of the day, linking up the network. You see that a lot in the tech space where a lot of apps, you know, even though you may have so-called frenemy competitors, <laughs> but um, it makes sense for you to collaborate because at the end of the day, mm. it's like you're trying to get to a bigger goal, right? And yeah. the faster we can piece these things together, the more um, powerful our end product can be. And at the end of the day, that's really what our customers are, you know, uh, hoping to get from us. Yeah. And Stephanie, we've got more to get into, but first, the news bulletin, we've got to address that first. Folks, I'll be speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Coworking Space Work. I'm Roshan Kanesan. When we come back, more here on Open for Business. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Boyish 40-something millionaires. BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBolly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan, and this morning I've been speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Coworking Space Work. Um, before the news bulletin, we were talking a little bit about your revenue and your growth. So 80% growth last year uh, from the time you opened your first outlet in 2017. You did 1.5 million in annual revenue. You were at 17 million last year. Looking ahead, you're aiming for 25 million in revenue. And you're in the, uh, your net profit margins are in the mid-teens at present. Um, a big shift that's happened in the demographic side of things is that uh, corporate clients or enterprise clients now account for 70% of work's demand compared to only 20% before the pandemic. Um, what has led to this shift in the customer de- demographic? Do you have any insights here? Um, so with enterprises, um, it, it falls back to this concept of a space as a service. If you look at work, the two core offerings we provide is on one hand, uh, space as a service. On the other hand, it's a community building. And I think what has really picked up with the larger enterprises is that um, Many of them, they need to grow their headcount in large numbers. We're talking about headcounts of 100 and above. And once you go to that kind of size, um, agility becomes an issue, right? Where if you suddenly need to hire, let's just say, a team of 200 people, it's not something that you can easily deploy anywhere you want. And as a co-worker, we become sort of like a real estate partner to them where we'll sit down with them and figure out, okay, what is your hiring plan? When do you want to get these spaces? And then we can basically come up with a tailored solution for them to be, okay, why don't you spread a few people across three of our sites? And along the way, we'll sort of set up a dedicated site for you. And even with the dedicated site, we get to choose like, do you want it for one year, two years, three years? And do you want the ability to expand? Or in fact, do you want the ability to contract? I think these are all things that we are in a unique position to provide that um, you wouldn't, they wouldn't get with um, a conventional lease, right? If you go to a conventional landlord, it's like take a long-term lease and I spend a lot of money renovating it. But that's actually not really what many of these clients want. And so I think we providing this service now um, is really, I think, where many of these corporates, they find out that, oh, I can actually have a best of both worlds, what we call a traditional portion and a flex portion. So they will go to a landlord and be like, can I lease uh, three floors from you on a traditional basis? Yet I want to work with a co-working operator in the building to sort of have a flexible component to it. And we give them access throughout our entire office network. So I think this is really um, something that, you know, on a on a on a what you call it um flow basis it sort mm. of came up during the pandemic i think prior to pandemic like i said about 10 to 20 percent of our clientele was enterprise but um now it's really like picked up very high steam and uh yeah, yeah. so i think you know our our majority of the market before there was sme and of course there were some mncs um we have wpp group they've got 500 hit come with us and growing mm. yeah but um you know, what we could see then is that if it works for SMEs, it's only a matter of, matter of time that the enterprises would jump on board on this, right? Um, because there can be an argument of, well, I don't want to be in a shared space. It's not serious enough. But then oftentimes what I see in Silicon Valley is that um, if the, the product is convenient enough and the customer experience is good enough, people will move to it uh, and they may retain partly of uh, their old uh, style of using it. And then partly they will use to the new style. It's so like an office mix, basically. Office mix, Hybrid yeah. Hybrid office. Hybrid office. I liken it to my experience with Grab and the taxi, mm. right? Like before Grab uh, was available, I 
taxi is available, but it's very cumbersome mm. as a product to use. Um, and I drive myself. But now it's actually don't drive. I just use the Grab or public transportation because the usability of Grab has surpassed, the taxi has surpassed my own, driving my own car. So that's what happened with the enterprises as well, whereby, you know, um, they're all traditional officers. That is their experience. And then now they've moved on to this really convenient uh, way of uh, using their offices and it really you know surpasses all this image cost or something like mm, that mm, mm. where then they'll just uh, say let's just adopt this it is the new way forward it's the it's the everything is a service kind of model for areas especially the bigger more capital intensive assets like property um, what you're seemingly doing is you're taking away that risk from the property risk essentially from the bigger companies because they may need to hire they may need to fire they may need to scale up and scale down you're providing them that flexibility yeah, yeah property but, risk and yeah. also but does that mean that you guys take up that risk Different people look at different assets differently. Mm -hmm. If you are a conventional company and you buy furniture and you do fit out, at the end of the day, that's not really an asset to you. It's more of an expense that you park there and you, you can't really do much with it later on. Mm -hmm. Whereas for us, we if you look from a sustainability and a usability perspective, whatever that people leave behind, we repurpose and reuse again. So this is something that um, we are in a way creating efficiency in the system because we are creating a shared office that will be used by not one company, but will be used by hundreds of different companies. And I think this is why it's an important way forward as well for you know the society as a whole that we don't want to be um, always spending on so-called private goods, right? When you think of a shared uh, economy that we live in, we want there to be a, a good balance. You have your own private usage, but you should also try to maximize the usage of public sure. infrastructure and co-working spaces. And this is something that will prevent the inefficiency of if you need a project team, you set up an office, two years later you tear it down. It's just <laughs> a lot of waste. It's not just the dollars and cents. You're really wasting a lot of um, so-called carbon footprint and a lot mm. of other things that yeah. didn't need to be that way. So I think when we come in as a service provider, we help the corporates um, manage this transition and we also have the landlords right because most landlords they don't really think of what do I do with the leftover part right I sort of scrap it and I get the next guy to rebuild it again but we come in a bit you know um, let's not do that right why don't we just make the best of what is there you know spend a bit to uplift it and customize it for the next person so I think this is something that um, uh, where we are sort of like mm. we've been looking at and I yeah. think it it, it yeah. So the flex space, uh, flexi, flex space uh, report by IWG states that a, on average, a co-working space lengthens the lifespan of office by nine years. Mm. And that's what Andrew is talking about, lengthening the, the usability uh, 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 time span of uh, offices and the uh, uh, amenities inside it. So if you're using it as a shared basis, already within that amount of time, you are increasing the uh, usage amount of it because you guys are using it on a sh on a shared uh, style. Then on top of that, uh, when you don't, when the customer doesn't want to use the space anymore, they move out. Does it mean that that space is now wasted and mm -hmm. scrapped? No, new customer comes into our spaces and use it and on and on. So that means that this office is like a perpetual um, uh, asset, a, 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 a perpetual infrastructure, and that really increases the, um, or, or decreases carbon footprint, right? Decreases a lot of uh, the cost involved with that. Uh, and I think moving towards this new style of working is something that um, people understand uh, as a new way to do it, right? Reducing all this, uh, uh, all this impact, mm. uh, and it's good for everyone. Now. Yeah. Um on your end, you are taking on um, 
essentially you have to take on longer leases for these properties and uh, your customers are taking up much smaller uh, micro leases basically how do you manage that particular risk you know what kind of uh, partnerships have you come up with with landlords and so essentially to manage that on your end yeah, so um, I think the, the, the risk management, a lot of it is what I think you would hear from Stephanie talking about real estate fundamentals. I think coming from a read, um, how does a typical landlord manage its, its mix? So it's very important for us to know who are our clients and how much exposure we have to uh, different industries, different sectors. And um, I think um, people always associate that, oh, a lot of our co-working business, for example, uh, maybe the lease terms may be short. But if you really look at the leases of our clients, many of them actually sign on for 12 months and longer. And mm -hmm. when we look at all these clients, um, many of them actually renew year on year. So although it's called a flexible office, the reality is that most of the clients use it as a pretty, uh, I would say, long-term office in that sense. Just that they like having the flexibility of a shorter tenant. So um, these are the things that we sort of like look at in terms of how we manage the mix. Um, but by large, I think the most important thing at the end of the day is um, making sure that you build a product that people want, right? Um, I, you know, uh, when we look at even like our consumer mix of uh, our co-working space, um, on a month on month basis, we actually only have a few, a handful of clients that leaves every month and it's not too difficult for us to replace them and keep a high occupancy. And that's why since we opened, we've always been at pretty much full occupancy, which, um, it's quite different from, uh, many of the other operators. Some of the operators, you would see that, uh, they're always running at like pretty, I would say low-ish occupancy. So it's some, something similar to an airline, right? If you build a good product, you can sort of fill your space, right? If you always struggle to fill your space, then you're going to have a, a difficulty maintaining profitability. Yeah. yeah. I would say that we don't build that space for any one customer and also our credit profile of the customers we can uh, we are very good at that having a read background as well uh, and if a customer uh, doesn't want to use the space anymore that's okay that's part of our product we want to give them flexibility uh, is that space um, in demand enough for other customers to say they want to move in uh, now that there's vacancy right so that product is not tied to one customer. You gotta make sure that the entire product, the price, the place, the promotion, everything makes sense for a huge market. You're not tied to one customer. They're all sharing this uh, amenity and this infrastructure and it's there for the long, super long term for them mm. to use. You don't want to be building a BFM studio there and then not that someone and something that someone else can't use later on if the that particular occupant leaves, right? Yes. Yeah. And some of our actually leases has been getting longer and longer. Mm. In the recent years we've been signing three years very common with oh. our customers. Yeah, because they see that actually they sign one year but they've been with us for eight years. We've got, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, hundreds of headcounts of this customer and it's been uh, uh, going to be with us for eight years. Uh, so why am I signing one year after one year? Okay, la, they just straight away do three years with us and they're very comfortable. And when, when they're signing three years, it means they, they are saying they will stay for, they, they have visibility of six years, something like that. So, you know, they also want, want to have certainty of their spaces. A uh, few more questions, but we've got to go into a few messages. First, folks, I've been speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Coworking Space Work. We'll be back in just a bit here on Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Business-filled minds, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanisan, and this morning I've been speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of co-working space Work. Um, you recently announced, or, uh, or last mid, towards the end of last year, an undisclosed pre-Series B funding round, but you're also looking to raise up to 40 million ringgit in a Series B funding round to help fund your continued expansion. Um, what can you tell us about the progress uh, on this front and the interest level or the engagement you're getting from potential investors? Yeah, I think uh, the uh, we've got two rounds of funding post WeWork uh, kind of uh, problems happening there. Uh, one is actually uh, at the beginning of COVID, and the the latest one is in twenty is last year, right? Uh, both rounds um, has gotten really good uh, uh, support from investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the latest, the, the one previous to this one, we had seven full-on investors, right? And the latest one, we have 14 full-on investors. And this is a sign that the investors who know our internal numbers, who know our track record, who can see everything from the inside and have a lot of uh, time with us, um, they see... The, they have the confidence in not just the company, but in the industry. And if you look at our cap list, right, these are investors that have very strong uh, financial ability to do due diligence. So Philip Capital, it's an asset management firm with a full team, uh, you know, Masing Leong family uh, office from uh, the Masing founders. Um, again, these are people who really understand the real estate industry. Um, when when we have these investors on board and our our existing investors supporting us over and over again, it means that they see the growth, they also see the execution, and there are also investors that have a lot of um, acumen in investing. Some of our investors uh, have worked at Goldman Sachs as managing directors for 18 years. Mm. Uh, they're from premier real estate families like if I'm not mistaken, maybe second riches in Singapore, something like that, <laughs> right? I don't pry too much. But the point is that they know this industry and they also have the financial acumen to understand the business really well, so much so that they said, I, okay, whatever happens to WeWork, you know, that's just noise to them. They are that experienced. And I said, I'm just going to come in because what better time to invest? And, you know, those are not things that I want to distract myself uh, with. Uh, some other names, of course, uh, early days Cradle Fund was involved with you. Uh, you've also got 500 Global on the cap table. Yeah, I think uh, we are concurrently uh, working on expansion as well as for the, the progress of our fundraising. Uh, the previous round, if you don't know, it's actually an internal round. Mm-hmm. It's like a special round for our current investors. Uh, we, we really have a great relationship with them. They've been extremely supportive. Um, and so, you know, we open up the round for them. And now uh, we are going to uh, uh, explore the uh, the Series B round as well as a lot of the expansion that is needed. That is funded also by our uh, relationship with the banks. Uh, the banks have extended uh, loans, I think, two times to us. And they are really good packages. They view us as corporates. That's the kind of package that they gave to us. Um, because they see our profitability. They see our numbers. It's extremely uh, detailed due diligence on their side. right? So we always uh, we got the bank loan offers from six of the major banks uh, in Malaysia. You heard of them. Um, but we've taken the one, in our opinion, su- suited our uh, profile the most from Afin. Uh, bank, I have a really good relationship with them. So that's another source of funding for us as well. Um, so things are going really great. Uh, I think, you know, uh, we are seeing our expansion 
really quite fast nowadays. Mm. The ship's very well built mm. and people understand our strength. So it's so going from there. Yeah. With the with the foundation set, are we going to see, uh, can we expect outlets to be opening more frequently? Yes. Yes. So our team, sure. uh, we think uh, last year we have opened uh, three new outlets, including mm-hmm. a couple of expansion for existing sites. We plan to keep that pace of momentum and impact, in fact, increase it faster. So this year itself, I think we are lining up about three, at least three new openings. And um, from there, uh, you know, it's about, you know, keeping the momentum. So some of these uh, uh, so-called openings, they are actually partnerships with landlords. So the timing itself would vary depending on how quickly some of the landlord um, opportunities sort of uh, come together. Um, but I think we ourselves are pretty uh, hopeful in terms of like um, how much we expand that. And um, yeah, I think the, you know, 450,000 square feet is something I think we are laser focused on. By 2025, <laughs> right? By end of 2025, yes. Last question before we wrap up. I think we've got like a minute or so left. Um, give us a sense of what you think the most likely exit is for this company. Yeah, I think, you know, um, we are actually building this company um, very strongly. And I always say that, you know, if you want a good exit where all parties win, then you have to build the company to the point where you don't need an exit um, and a good one comes along and you explore the opportunity in a win-win manner. So um, that's what we are doing, right? Um, we definitely have the options of even IPO on the table. Uh, but ultimately, I think when we want to have that exit, I've worked for uh, uh, startup founders that have exited, you know, five companies, six in total between them. And it's always the same thing that they've told me, right? Um, you are not here to palm off your company to someone. You build it really, really well, build it really strong uh, because ultimately the uh, people who wants to own your business later on also wants a good business. And that's the philosophy we go uh, throughout every single stage, right? Uh, and I think it served my ex-bosses really well. I really believe in what they said. And um, why I want to bring that up is because, you know, the most recent startup that I work for in the U.S., um, it amongst all the startups that you heard, this is very interesting. It's a highly profitable startup. Uh, they were started by two gentlemen who worked for uh, investment banks before. And that was also really honed down to us, right? Make sure you have your profitability. I don't care what the market says. It's the same thing over here. So we definitely have uh, those things in the cards, uh, but at the same time, don't lose focus on delivering value. On that note, Stephanie, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Roshan. Folks, I've been speaking with Stephanie Ping and Andrew Yao, co-founders of Coworking Space Work. I'm Roshan Gennison. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBelay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.